Welcome to the PR Moment Podcast. Produced in association with the Marketeers Network. Welcome to the PR Moment Podcast. Don't forget, if you enjoy the show, you can subscribe on iTunes. And if you like what you hear, it would be great if you give us a decent review. We also have a couple of events coming up that I wanted to make sure you're aware of. The first is the Global Reputation Forum that's taking place in Oxford on July the 3rd. This event is all about what good and bad reputation means for organisations. There are no communication speakers at this event. Our speakers are politicians, journalists and CEOs. The second event I wanted to flag is our annual Future of Influence event. This was a sellout in 2018 and I reckon the programme is even stronger this year. Both events are on the homepage of PRMoment.com. Okay, plugs over. This is the second episode of a new format on the PR Moment podcast. We're going to continue our Life Stories series, but I wanted to make sure we also include stories of younger, up-and-coming talent. So welcome to the second of our Trailblazers PR Moment podcasts. I'm pleased to welcome PR Moment's Young Professional of the Year and Data and Research Guru at Ketchum, Erin Salisbury. I wanted to interview Erin because, while I think we all pretty much get the need to increase the extent to which PR firms use data, Erin is at the front line of this, and I wanted to get her real-world insight from a client perspective, from a colleague perspective, and from a data and insights tools perspective. Erin, welcome to the Peer Moment podcast. Thank you very much. As a research and analytics manager in a PR firm, how are you using data? Uh, that's a very big and broad question. Uh, we are using data, you know, sort of day in and day out for a variety of clients and um, we use you know all kinds of data um, to solve client challenges, but really the things that we want to focus on are how we can use data to understand uh, sort of key audiences, the channels that they live on, how they think and behave, and I mean most importantly for PR, how they consume media and other kinds of content. So um, we're using it all the way through the spectrum, really, you know to understand particularly for a new business um, what we want to do and, and what we want to go after, what we want to advise those clients on, um, all the way through to planning and, and strategy research um, when we're thinking about bigger and broader initiatives at a brand level um, or um, even micro initiatives, um, smaller things like influencer identification. So, um, and again, you know, there's measurement really, um, I okay. think. Uh, and I mean, there's a lot of a lot of different um, reasons for using the data, which we'll, we'll, I think we'll come back onto in a minute. But uh, what, what type of data are you using? Is it, is it customer data, social data, personalised data, non-personalised data? How does it work? Well, that's a <laughs> a very interesting topic um, in terms of the ethics of personalised data. But sure. um, I think. Well, let's deal with the easy bit first. Yeah. <laughs> so, so just tell us your sources of data first of all, and then we can we can do, I guess, with the ethical argument in a minute. Yeah, sure. Um, you know, in terms of the way that we're using data, we're really um, using it from every end of the spectrum. So that could include everything from our own social data, um, understanding insights from our websites, so our social channels, uh, through to media uh, traditional media data, uh, social listening data, search engine data, um, 
CRM data. Okay. The list goes goes on and on, uh, and really. Then, and then you plug that into consumer research. Um, do you use qualitative data as well in terms of focus groups? Is it? I'm just trying to work out, is there... There's there's so many data touch points, aren't there? You you can mm. you, you could so in, in a way you've got to you've got to work out the most accessible, the most useful, the most cost effective, yeah. uh, and then go from there. And I'm just wondering what that blend is. Yeah, I or, mean, whether, or whether there is a typical blend, or whether whether it just depends on the client and the objectives, etc. Sure. I mean, much like you know, you'd think of kind of any consultant. What we're really trying to do is solve client challenges. So the data that we use is dependent on what those challenges are for the organization and the answer to, uh, you know, what data inputs do we put into that methodology are really dependent, again, on on what they're trying to do, um, what they have access to, what they can afford. So for some of our larger clients that, um, you know, they might have a ton of customer data and they could get that kind of straight away. That's great. Um, but a lot of times that might be protected by the marketing department or yeah. their consumer insight department. So it's really a matter of what can we get our hands on? What do they already have access to? Uh, what do we need to buy? So it, it's it's quite a broad mix. Um, and I think it goes all the way from solving sort of business critical challenges through to maybe audience related challenges. It's, it's, it's really around what is the issue that they're trying to solve. Sure. Yeah. And on the, um, I suppose on the customer data, there's a question there. I mean, are, are we at the stage now as a, as a, not necessarily as a PR firm, as a marketing agency generally, can you do your job properly, do you think, if, if customers don't give you access to that data? I think that in terms of customer data, that's really around what people do. So if you think about the way that we've gained access to data, you know, through our journey uh, um, as analytics professionals, it kind of started off with survey data, which is very much around what people say they do or they they say they think. Um, And while there's certainly a place for that and it's always useful, especially um, from a qualitative lens, um, what we're now getting through that, that customer data is what they actually do and what their actual behaviors are. Um, and, of course, there's there's a very strong value there because um, that can help media teams spend their budgets smarter. That can help um, us target more specifically. So um, it, it is valuable um, whether or not customers want to shut that off. Obviously, it's a very sensitive yeah. topic right now. Um, with GDPR coming very, very quickly um, in terms of, of what we're actually going to... Well, I was going to say that was my next question, mm. I suppose. Because presumably that's going to change, right? Mm. Or, or not. Because if it's you know if it's non-personalized, that sort of stuff, then maybe... I mean, I guess the, the lawyers are going to have their day. But on the, on the face of it, probably... I think we're going to be in the same landscape anyway as we are now, as long as it's non-personalized. If it's personalized, completely different, completely different story. Mm. Um, so I just, yeah, I, I wonder as a as a as a data analyst whether whether you're preparing yourself from a, a a big change there, or or whether you, you're kind of thinking it's going to continue as yeah on the current current situation. Yeah, sure. I mean, I think. Um Again, it, it's it, it comes down to that that privacy aspect, aspect. So a lot of the data that we're we are using um, isn't necessarily personalized or or, or, or no. private. So if someone's you know posting on social media and they have a, a public profile, we can we can get that that data from them if they're talking about our brand or or a topic. Um, same thing with general kind of media landscape 
work. Um, you know, those are all public forums. So I think there are areas where it might be affected, but I don't think it's going to completely shift every single sure. thing that we do in every single data source that we're using. Agreed. Um, so just touching again on the personalized, non-personalized bit, because this is one of those topics, right? The more I I sort of read about it and learn about it, the more... Um, the more, more difficult it gets to define what's personalised and what's pers- non, what's non-personalised, isn't it? And you know, clearly this is in the hands of the lawyers somewhere. So I, I don't suggest that we're necessarily going to define that right now. But there's a um, there's a spectrum, isn't there, between... Um, I mean, clearly if, if, if it's Ben Smith name address, that's personalised. Right. But, but then if someone's monitoring my, my, my web browsing mm-hmm. habits to stick an advert in front of me... Mm-hmm. I'd ask you, argue that's kind of personalised, but but currently that's not the the, the, the way. That's not current thinking, is it? Mm. That's that's defined as non-personalised. So I just wonder where, uh, as a, a PRNC planner, as a, mm. where, where, does that does that impact you at all, or is that just not something you really come up against? Well, I think what the industry is trying to do is really link up all of these data sources together to put together a consumer journey. So so what but they when are When you say the industry do you mean PR firms? Do you mean I think the, the research marketing firms? Okay. I think I I mean I guess first of all PR, marketing, comms, digital, media, we're living in this very integrated universe where yeah. We're all trying to kind of pull from the same sources and, and answer the same questions. I don't think we can really distill down those those no. behaviors anymore. Um, but um, in terms of, of the industry's made a lot of progress in in sort of being able to match up um, people across different platforms and, and identify those behaviors. Um, what I think is coming up is going to stop that progress. Right. Um, potentially reverse that progress. Um, and, you know, there are some individuals who... Do you mean from an ethical perspective or or from a legal perspective? Um, yeah, pro- probably the former, I would imagine, but... Yeah, from an ethical perspective. Um, and, I mean, legally, we don't know where that's going to stop. Yeah, there's going to be some case law coming in. And, yeah, yeah. Right. And what what we do know is if we don't adhere to the rules that are being put into place, mm. we can get in a lot of trouble. Yep. Okay, so from a from a use of data perspective, it's it's at the planning side, it's the campaign side, and it's at the valuation side. Looking back, mm. is that are those broad themes still as relevant today as as they were? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I certainly think that there is a focus on measurement and ROI, particularly for PR, okay. uh, where. It's an it's an uphill battle to prove our value um, of the work that we're doing, um, and there's a lot of sort of industry wide work going on about sort of how consumers feel about you know um, seeing something in an earned title potentially versus feeling like they're it's a paid advert. Yeah, uh, I I'm still of the perspective that PR has a very strong place in that mix, um, getting the right message in the right place in front of the right consumer, and and that starts with being smart about your strategy and um, and then using that strategy all the way through. So um, I think in terms of the split between sort of planning and then um, through to campaign evaluation, um, it's definitely kind of heavy up within the strategy bit and the okay. measurement bit. Right. Yeah. Okay. The, I mean, just, yeah, we'll take, let's, let's take, take a tack off, I suppose, at that point. Do you, I always... With with 
PR's measurement problem, if you like, if it is a problem. Um, I mean, digital has decreased the extent of that problem, you would have thought, because everything is now more trackable than it was, and if it was in you know, back in the day, print. Um, but clearly there are some, there are, there are still challenges. Do you get the feeling that, that PR is um, worse than the ad guys uh, at, at measurement, or do you just think we're more paranoid about it? Um, I don't think that we're worse. Uh, I think that we have um, a lot of different tactics that we can use and have to use. Okay. I think yeah. there are a lot of solutions to measurement. Um, and it's really, again, so important to just set it up in the beginning of your campaign or, or whatever you're trying to do strategically. I think where a lot of people really fall down is not connecting kind of the right metrics to showcase the value. So just kind of plowing on through a campaign or plowing on through a PR program without taking a breath in the beginning to say, okay, what? Do, why are we doing whatever we're doing within this sphere of PR? And then um, once we do that, how is that laddering up to the overall business objective? I think that's kind of where advertising had such a strong a strong foothold. Sure, but it's a good point you make that the the breadth of PR tactics available mean that the the measurement is going to be more complicated potentially than if you're. Yeah. I mean, you know, are they just doing ads these days? I don't know, but you, you, in, in there are undoubtedly more more PR tactics than 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 most other areas of the Marcoms mix. So therefore, it's a more complicated measurement problem um, or opportunity. Yeah, <laughs> I'm. Yeah, it's that. It's um, you know, it's also the the platforms, the paid advertisements, really. Um, yeah. Honing in, going directly to clients and saying yeah. this is worthless unless you put some money behind it. Yeah. And of course, they're going to go straight to the. They're yeah. going to they're going to believe it from from the advertiser themselves. Sure. So. Um, just moving on a bit on the basis that virtually all campaigns are integrated. Um, what are the implications of this for for integrated measurement? Um, how do you integrate data across paid and shared and owned, if you like? Because it's in a way that that breaking it down into different channels is, as you've sort of been alluding to, is, is only half relevant these days because we're all influenced across multiple channels all of the time. So it's it's kind of more more, more complicated than sometimes I think we suggest. Yeah, I think, um, I think different brands are definitely at sort of a different level of sophistication. sophistication. Um, you know, if, if I just think about my client mix... Um, from kind of a very basic measurement model through to something much more advanced. I think really what it comes back to is setting that plan out at the beginning. Um, Any comms activity becomes irrelevant if it's not helping the organization achieve a particular goal. So, um, you know, getting a placement and a key title is great, but if the message isn't there, if, um, you know, if, if our audience isn't reading that title, then it, it doesn't matter as much. You know, I don't, I don't quite know. So I think it's understanding what the business objective is that then fil- kind of filters down into a comms objective before we even think about measuring and how that all ladders up to that that bigger business goal. So for PR, um, it could be uh, getting um, key coverage and titles. It could be getting an executive um, quoted, you know, in the media. Uh, It could also be, you know, driving click through to a website 
but in terms of maybe paid, what we're looking for is click-through rate. So it it's really just making sure that the metrics also align to those bigger objectives. Sure. But from the as a if you think of the customer's journey, mm-hmm. um, you know, I, I'm unlikely to be purely influenced by PR. Yeah. Or or indeed purely influenced by paid. Yeah. Or whatever else. Yeah. So trying to whilst I think it's you know, clearly it, it is important to, to, to attribute um purchasing influence or whatever on on, on, on to whatever channel. Mm. But it's it, it to to try and the reason that I don't know I ended up on some website to buy whatever I might be buying is almost certainly down to a number of different touch points where I've been you know communicated with yeah. that brand over a period of however sure. long depending on the purchase I suppose mm. so it's that's but that gets complicated then doesn't mm. it and I'm not sure whether we've really got there yet as a you know this isn't a Ketchum thing I mean the industry wide thing it's a it's a difficult thing to um, to, to measure that that's I suppose it's it's easier in digital, I suppose, but um... yeah, I mean, I think it, um, it it depends on on what we're talking about. If we're talking about um, things like awareness, which often mm-hmm. come down to you know, it could be um, brand reputation tracking surveys or or but awareness um, can lead to purchase, which can I suppose. lead to purchase. Yeah, yeah so exactly. That, that's so, kind of what I meant. Is that yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe I've been aware of a brand for. Ages, I don't know, yeah. t- six years or something, and yeah. I finally bought something from them. Yeah. And, I mean, that's a, that's a overly complicated example, but you know what I mean. To yeah, I mean, and- there are limited times when we're working with companies that we can say this one specific activity mm. drove sales. We do have those examples um, where they had no other kind of marketing or comms activities going on, and um, particularly influencer campaigns yeah. on you know a two to three day period or well, it's easier a month like retail, long period. Isn't it? Yeah, yeah. So that's that's always the example where. Yeah. Guess what? You, you Our know. sales increased yeah. by X percent. Yeah. Um, but all, but from the other side of it, the same is true for from the ad guys, isn't it? Mm. So they're they're not on the basis that all their campaigns are now integrated, so they have the same problem, obviously. But from the other way around, um, okay. The so moving on a bit from that, the is it relevant or right? Therefore, bearing in mind that that sort of multiple touch points as a consumer, as a buyer, um, to try and have a sort of channel specific attribution approach or is that is that sim- overly simplified do you think I think um, I think there's a place for it I think that um, you know in terms of thinking about things like market mix modeling um, econometric modeling uh, that that that's a pretty sophisticated um, method and for big brands it, it, with a lot of data, it, it can be useful. The, the thing about um, working within within those parameters is that you have to have good, clean, pure data, and you have to have it for a certain amount of time. So right. for a lot of, you know, particularly startups, products that haven't been around that long that don't have that access to data, um, it makes it harder for them to, to really work out um, what that channel attribution strategy should be. And I okay. think to your point... Um, there are so many different touch points. That's why we have to do that audience research in the in the planning phase because, um, you know, if, if our audiences aren't on channels or they're dying out or, um, you know, they're, they're, their attention is starting to be shifted towards other things, these are all things that we need to be considering. So um, I don't know if it's particularly oversimplified. I don't think it's irrelevant, certainly. Um, I I really think, you know, 
this is something that people have been doing for a while, but they're just coming up. We're, we're day in and day out coming up with how different sets of data can help us understand and predict behaviors in different ways. Okay. I mean, just uh, you mentioned that word yourself there. Are we moving towards econometrics? It's been something that people have been talking about for probably t- almost 10 years. Yeah. Actually. I mean, I don't um, think... And it's, But the truth is it's hard to do, right? So that's that, and expensive. So that's why we haven't seen take up done as widely as as people might have anticipated is that is that fair to say yeah i think what's what's interesting um what you just said um in terms of take up is um a lot of brands want to they love the the phrase test and learn right we're going to test and learn on this but um when we're talking about spending big money it, it's difficult so um and and at the same time they want uh proof of performance before they do this test and learn which doesn't really doesn't really mix so um you, you mean that to, to, in terms of econometrics? Yeah, in yeah. terms of econometrics. So uh, the they want to show us an example of how this yeah. is has, right. this this has changed for brands. We certainly have that. Um, we've and and again, you know, we can use all different kinds of sets of data to to understand um, from social data, search data, through to stock market prices. Right. Um, things like how has the sentiment of media coverage? Uh, how has that? Uh, reflected within a stock price, you know we. So what have you got that? Have you got? Things. Have you? Has Ketchum got that as a or Nikon got that as, as a program? Is that is, is it something you can, you can? I'm just wondering, something you can scale if you like, or do you have to build it from the bottom up for for each and every client, or is it too early to give an answer to that question? I think um, um, just in in terms of any sort of data and analytics approach, it's bespoke to every, right. to every client. Um, you know, there are def- the theory in the process can be sort of replicated yeah. and and sold and productized um, certainly. But um, in terms of what data inputs we're going to use, um, and it, it's it's dependent on the question, it's yeah. dependent on the challenge, it's dependent on the organization, the organization yeah. and the data that they have access to. Okay. So, and. I mean, the most. Uh, listen, I'm, I'm no econometric expert. I don't want to position myself as anything near that. But as far as I could see, most most good econometric models tend to reside in a in a client side organisation. Is that is that fair to say? Or are there examples where agency have sort of led that that project? Oh, certainly. I mean, I think um, it comes down to to having the right kind of data smart minds okay. at your dispa- disposal. So, um, you know, certainly within our team and other agencies, we have data scientists, you know, PhDs who run regression analysis on multiple sets of data and, uh, you know, kind of edit algorithms to, to figure out what's right and, and think about that question, you know, what else could have been going on here that could have impacted what I'm seeing? So right. it's... I think it's both. Um, we've I've certainly worked with clients who have their own head of research and analytics, and then um, you know come to that solution together. And I think that's where um, agencies can come in as the support, and just in terms of bringing some fresh thinking, um, you know, really being a partner. That's where we're most successful is when we get sort of embedded in right. that in that client's world. Yeah. Okay. Um, and just finally, is there does PR have anything to fear? Do you think from from being able if if one day we wake up and go ah we can now work out our um, our, our contribution to this project? Um, it, it, the I suppose it's from the econ, the econometrics um, analysis you, you've seen. Does PR 
tend to do well from an ROI perspective or are we, you know, have we got something to fear? You know, I think um, in in every sort of industry study that continues to kind of come out and all the audience research that, you know, my team has done um, and, and that I've read, the most um, sort of influential sources on us in our lives are, are people we know and, and people that we trust. So that's not going to change. And in terms of the job that, that PR has to do a lot of times, it's it's all around building that trust and building that reputation in the brand and yeah. getting those key messages delivered to our audiences. And I, I because of that, I really don't think we have anything to fear. It's that earned influence and particularly for PR, that storytelling, getting but, but, that story right. But that comes out on the – I mean, I, I agree with that sentiment, but when you look at the the, the – the the stats from from broadly from where from where you sit mm. that 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 that's the the reality as well yeah yeah, yeah. Um, and I think too just even in in recent industry reports we're seeing that um, people are more likely to to um, to trust something that 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 they're seeing through an earned lens than right. than a paid advert for example uh, but that makes the I mean. Uh, I don't suggest it's easy, but it does make the PRs, PRs as sectors hesitancy to to embrace, albeit not a perfect world of, of, of evaluation, but better than what we've got, even more frustrating, doesn't it? Because we we, we believe we've probably got a good story to tell, um, but we're for some reason we're we're just we're, we're hesitating, possibly because we're we're not sure how to do it. But I mean, there's yeah, you know, the Amic have done some great work in this, mm. for example, and and. I suspect their tools are not as widely used as as they could and should be. But um... yeah, you know, Emec um, as an organization, I think has come a tremendous way. Um, just since I've been in the industry, I've been lucky enough to work under um, David Rockland, who is chairman, and um, other former leaders of of the business who've been really involved. So um, I've, I've watched the journey that Emec has kind of helped the industry go on, mm. and. The good news is it, that that organization is a widely known entity now in PR. That yeah. wasn't the case five years ago. People yeah. hadn't really heard of it. Um, and I think the other th- good thing about organizations like Amec is that um, it continues to diversify and change and keep yeah. with the times. If you um, if you look at the sessions that they host during Measurement Month and and at the um, at the event, it's it's There's changing a, a, with the times. An event next month in Barcelona. Which, yes, yes. If I don't give a plug to that, Barry, we'll, we'll never forget. <laughs> so, um, uh, I'm going. So if anyone else want to come, then I, I believe tickets are still available. Mm. But um, mm. but, yeah. if, but you, I mean, you're you know, without bigging you up too much, you're, you're clearly ahead of the curve um, on a from a, an insight research data perspective. But we, when you do you use that um, the integrated measurement framework? I mean, I'm not. It's not one of those documents that you need to use every bit of it, but mm. it's, it's a useful guide to you, is it? Even even a, a, you know from from your perspective, is that? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think the. I, I don't think you can probably say no to that. Try and be honest. Please. Yeah. Um, <laughs> no, I mean. I think, you know, in terms of the integrated measurement framework, um, a lot of Amex mission is to educate PR yeah. professionals. And that is that tool itself is is really meant to from, you know, this, a starting point. Here's here's where mm. you start. That's the that's the biggest question that we get a lot of times from clients is 
what like where do I even begin? There's there are so many sources of data. There's so much coming at me. I'm getting a billion reports from my agencies day in and day out, and I mm. can't make sense of like how to connect the dots. And and that's what that that's really meant to help do. And um, I think you know in terms of the work that I do and 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 my team does sort of day in and day out. Again, it's um it's my my point of view is that a lot of times we're just not communicating to business leaders of brands in the language that we need to be using. Uh-huh. So what what are they trying to do and and what are what is the terminology that they're using and how do we frame that up so that it's so crystal clear for them that what what PR is doing is is leading to helping them sure. reach that goal. But that's hard for someone like you to on the agency side. I mean, I always think that the key person in that journey is very often the 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 the, the, the comms leader in house, if mm. you like. I mean, if they get the measurement, they don't have to be a measurement geek, goodness me, mm. but they need to get it and be passionate about it and and understand what they need from it, and then everything falls into place. It seems to me, arguably, quite quickly. Yeah. Um, but a lot of, I mean, it's probably not something you can comment on, but a lot of those people don't get it. I mean, I think I think there's been a, quite a sea change actually in the last three or four years on that but mm. it seems to me that it's still not quite where we might think you see pockets of very good practice next mm. to pockets of surprisingly bad practice yeah. and it, like, both of those examples can be for big blue chip firms that we're all very familiar with if you mm. see what I mean so um, yeah I mean I think your point about the sophistication and understanding of certain kind of in-house comms leaders um, we, that's certainly um, something that that we come across yeah. and it's very diplomatically put. I, I think that, <laughs> I mean, we're seeing it in in every brief that comes our way, whether right. that be... Uh, from a need. Yeah, the, okay. that we, it, it spells out clearly we right. want data, we want measurement, we want to see an impact okay. uh, that is beyond, you know, Im- impression numbers or, that, yeah, yeah, you know. Yeah. So I think we're, we're so, getting so there. We're, so we're losing our paranoia. It's maybe, the, maybe the... the the era of paranoia is over. Maybe. But, um, okay. <laughs> well, maybe a new paranoia is beginning. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Just, I just, my last question was one around tools. I mean, there's a, a vast mm. number of tools. I mean, yeah. part, partly goes back to one of your points a minute ago about uh, the, the, the array of, of, of different types of activity that PR people do, um, and therefore there's there's an equal number of tools. Mm. Um, to, to, to try and measure and, and help people understand the impact of, of, of that activity, those activities. Um, but you, and we're not going to try and review all those tools now, goodness me, but the, there, is a, there is a theoretical approach going on here, isn't there, between whether it's best to have um, best-of-class specialist tools or trying to have, well, I don't know about one tool that does everything, but mm. as fewer tools as possible mm. that, that over... Um, o- oversee a number of channels or, or, or KPIs or whatever. Yeah. What, what you must that must take up a fair bit of your day job. What's your what's your approach to that? How, yeah. What have you decided? Yeah. I mean, like you're saying, there's no silver bullet. There's no one tool fits all. And the tools that have tried to be too many things end up being pretty bad at a lot of things. Oh, they don't work, and they're not useful. Right. Um, whether that be because they don't have the team to make the interface usable for 
people like me for clients or they're not putting enough money into the right data inputs. Well, it's they're a not constantly changing right partnership. Yeah, That's the other exactly. Thing. I mean, you've, they're all it's trying not like to eat each can... other's lunch at the moment. Okay. <laughs> um, I mean, it's, it's not like you can have a bunch of developers build it and then wait for the cash to roll right. in, is it? It's constantly changing. So, right. Um, but go on. You were, yeah. No, n- no you're, you're absolutely right. And I think um, it's, it's going to continue to change because, uh, you know, for instance, just a couple weeks ago, um, Facebook shut down Instagram's API, right? So instead of 5,000 calls an hour, you can now have 200. Right. Um, and um, so... Um, you know, that really hurt a lot of tools because they were really reliant upon okay. that data from Instagram. But some of the he- some of the heavier hitters, I mean, every- they all knew it was coming, actually. You know, it was it was meant to roll out at the end of the year. They pushed it forward eight months. So some of them were were, were ready for it. Wow. Um, but imagine trying to run your business with that with that sort of thing. Yeah. Eight months ahead of you time. Think you've got, being wow. okay. cut off. So, yeah. I mean, it's things like that that for for a startup or um, yeah. who, who might be trying to kind of break in and figure out the best way to partner with companies like Facebook, like Twitter, to aggregate the data that they're trying to aggregate. But you're, I think what you're saying is that what you've, and you know, this might change, but at the moment what you tend to do is go for uh, a, a specific tool for a specific need, if you like, rather than trying to... Yeah, I buy mean, a, a one-stop shop for one of a better word. We're, we, you know, we're certainly tool agnostic as an agency. You know, we we have to be. A yeah. lot of clients have invested a lot of money um, on certain tools on their end that we can then have access to, or um, you know, they might need something that we've invested in to, right. to help them get the right answer. So, yeah, certainly there we the, the there's a variety. Yeah, there's a we we there's a variety of tools at our disposal. You know, as an agency. Um, to 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 utilize, but it's it's changing all the time. Right. So the, the, the key time. thing is to kind of remain flexible. Actually. Stay on top of it. Really. I mean, that's the other thing. A lot of these tools, these software, you, you got to sign a you know twelve eighteen month contract, and yeah, that must. I mean, I wouldn't do it. I mean, I'm not sure that does that means I just don't get the tool. But you know what I mean. You 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 never know how one of these things are going to work until you mm. use them, and mm. then as you just said, they can change pretty quick. And then before you know what's happened, you're tied into a. Uh, a long-term contract so it's it, it's a tough place to be isn't it um i think um it's exciting though okay. i mean i think the thing that i think about and my teammates think about is how can we use this data in the smartest way possible right. using something that comes straight from a tool makes you just like everyone else so right. what what can we add for our human lens or what sort of um, you know smart thinking can we put on top of this that's going to actually make it better? Right. I'm presuming you say work out what you want and then find the right tool as opposed to the other way around. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's. I keep coming back to this, and I don't mean to be a broken record, but we're just trying to solve problems. At the end of the day, we're just trying to solve a problem for a business or for a client. So we need to figure out what are the questions that we're trying to answer and then we can work out the right data sources and the right tools and the right technology to help get there. Brilliant. Aaron, thank you very much. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the PR Moment podcast produced in association with the Marketeers Network. If you'd enjoyed the show, please do review us on iTunes and give us a decent rating.